Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Fox Racing Canada, as well as Fox Moto in the States. We've also got on board with us tear-off gaskets, Dylan Kalen out there in Ontario, hawking the tear-off gaskets. Hopefully, if you're doing some uh, motoing when it's raining outside or some wet conditions, you protect your vision with some tear-off gaskets. Big MX Radio 15 saves you 15% off every single one of your purchases. Same discount, discount code applies to Rusty Pistons Apparel. You can go there. Uh, and the link is through uh, Big MX Radio as well as uh, Throttle Time Pieces. And in fact, our uh, our our guest today is going to get uh, a Throttle Throttle Time Pieces watch just for uh, for joining us today. She didn't even know know that until I just threw that on her right now. Um, and let's just introduce her. I'm Brad Gephardt. I'm on all of these podcasts. I'm your host. But with us on the line, she's a Canadian motocross icon. If you've been racing in this in this country for the last 10 years, you've heard the name, you've probably seen her in the pits, and uh, you got to be pretty fast for her to not uh, have passed you uh, on the track sometime. I'd imagine that if uh, we compared lap times, she's probably about four or five seconds a lap faster than me. That hurts my heart, but it warms my heart to have her on the show right now, De- Danica White. Danica, how's it going? Hello. <laughs> Hello, thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for making some time for us all the way from Cowtown, I believe. You're out in Calgary, are you not? Yes, I am in Calgary. That's amazing. Love that city. Uh, any city where you can ride your motocross bike and then go like literally mountain biking on a mountain within the same day is, is a beautiful, beautiful place uh, to live for me. Uh, obviously, were you born and raised in Calgary, Alberta? I was actually born in Saskatchewan. In- I'm so sorry to hear that. (laughs) I know, straight out of Sask, and then we moved here out of Super Young, so one, so practically from Calgary. Okay, okay, so he's got some little bit of roots in uh, on the prairies, and of course, uh, for lack of better terms, Calgary's a bit of a prairie town, because like anything around it is sort of prairies, but obviously the mountains being just off in the distance. Um, Awesome, awesome, like, so... You're you're fairly well versed in the whole West Coast, and I, I from what I uh, kind of following your career a little bit, you've spent a lot of time uh, racing the Canadian uh, Championship for the the women's side of things for a long period of time. Uh, before we get to all of your accolades and stuff that way, what's going on with Tanika White these days? So right now, um, I'm just working. I work for Fox Canada as their sales rep for Moto, and I take care of Alberta and Saskatchewan territories. So that's like my nine to five job. And then outside of that, just like ride quite a bit at the track. Like we do have Wild Rose MX right here in the heart of the city. So we're really, yeah, we're spoiled, like really spoiled for anyone that's like only knowing this track, but we've got like two tracks prepped usually daily with like three big bike tracks and mini tracks and duro areas so yeah we're pretty spoiled with that so it's pretty easy and accessible just to go out and ride and that's usually how i spend most of my time that's amazing yeah like uh i am absolutely peanut butter and jealous when it comes to anybody talking about racing in calgary uh or even in alberta in general you guys have awesome soil some really cool tracks uh some tracks that i still want to like kind of check off my bucket list uh including one all the way in uh Grand Prairie, Alberta. I think it's called Blackhawk or Yeah, it used to be on the circuit when we used when we raced provincials as like a full right. province. I actually yeah, I never actually got to get up there. Uh just the drive was a little bit too big no for doubt. us. And I think the one that we were planning to go to got rained out. So I never actually got to ride that track yet. Oh man, I actually because I used to compete in freestyle skiing, which is why I was up in Grand Prairie doing water ramps. And uh, there was a motocross race like down the street, and from where because it was like near a ski resort. And my coach like dropped me off for the morning to watch a few motos, and I thought that was just the coolest looking track, like uh, really, really neat. I'll have to check it out when I, I I've got dealers up there, and they're awesome. So definitely, I'll have to bring my bike for sure with me next time then. No kidding. Now, so obviously, like being the the territory manager or like being in, responsible for two provinces, uh, for those like if for Americans listening, like two provinces is basically like the 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 area of multiple states. Like our 
provinces, <laughs> you could probably fit four or five states in each one of them. You putting on some crazy miles uh, to service all of these dealerships. Uh, like, where are the the typical like most of the dealers that you're dealing with? Are you are you all the way to like Yorkton, Saskatchewan, or like which how like how what's your your sort of jurisdiction in and around there? Yeah, Rick at Traders would be one of my dealers. Wow. I haven't made it all the way out there, but um, yeah, kind of just after COVID really hit, I took over Saskatchewan. And uh, yeah, so I, I just did the full Sask loop once and then deal with everyone through like email and phone calls. And mostly like when I started the job two years ago, I just had Alberta. So right there, that's a pretty big territory, but no it's been great seeing all these dealers and putting names to faces and all that's the cool thing about moto is all these dealers they started because it was their passion right so the stories that some of them have are just amazing so yeah my first loop around in alberta i was just like hearing all these stories and where they came from and man like yeah i could spend hours talking to some of them but everyone's got to get back to work at some point so yeah it's just been amazing meeting all these people no kidding. So many stories within the sport of motocross. And I think that's maybe something that uh, is so, um, maybe it's just like so um, unique to motocross is that like no matter who, who it is in the sport, uh, they've got a story to go along with how they got into it, how they, why they stay into it, why they love it so much, and uh, some crazy stories as to uh, the, the weekends that that come and go, being a part of it. And you yourself, like you're you're a few years younger than me, I believe you're you're probably in your early or mid twenties. I'm 32 years old. I got into it late. I started racing in 1999. I thought that you'd probably have started racing somewhere in either the late 2000s or even just um, in and around when you actually started racing the uh, the nationals. But you go all the way back to uh, the beginning of this century uh, <laughs> with with a pretty like deep like kind of like a uh, a well woven history within the sport. That's pretty awesome that you've been you've grown up around it literally your entire life. Yeah, it's super rad. Like, I can't thank being in this community. Like, it, it's amazing. And that's kind of why I love it so much now that I'm, yeah, I'm 28 right now. So it's been great. But yeah, I started riding uh, right around 2000. So I think it was 1999 or 98 now that I think back to it. And we, like, we grew up playing hockey. Like, obviously, that's pretty Canadian as it gets. Love it. Everyone yeah. has to get into, <laughs> get into hockey. And my mom actually sorry about your flames like a, <laughs> i know no yeah we don't talk about that <laughs> but yeah no my mom wanted a family sport that we could all do and my dad used to ride bikes back in the 70s and kind of race and then gave it up until until that so she was like let's buy some bikes so we went to blackfoot picked up a bunch of hondas and yeah it's crazy because that, when i would have got kitted out i probably would have been like oh man like seven or eight and jc would have got me kitted out who is my boss at fox in that's all hilarious here at blackfoot yeah these things coming me. full circle yeah so he's my boss the guy that got me all kitted out in my first set of gear and then yeah and then ron that got us our bikes worked at blackfoot back then and he's at blackfoot still and that's who i get my bikes from today <laughs> That's amazing. You actually, being from Calgary, you probably have either met or ran across Trevor Unger at some point. Oh, God, yeah, yeah. He still races. He actually, they kind of race against us because in our local series, it's the Super Series, the ladies go against the vintage bikes. So, yeah, I get to, I get to um, bang bars with Trevor Unger every once in a while. Well, that's funny because, like, Talon is his son, who you'd probably race with, but Trevor actually sold my dad my first bike in 1999 at a dealership here before he started working at Blackfoot in and around like the year 2001 or 2002. So you basically, you took my story and then you made it your own damn story because our, like they, they couldn't be a little bit more similar in the fact that I started riding around eight or nine and you started riding eight or nine and um, yeah, yeah, taking it as far as we have, that's, uh, that's a damn close to a mirror image if, if I don't say so myself. For sure. Yeah, no, it's been awesome. That's why the moto industry is just so rad. Like I always say you're kind of like a billboard for yourself as like your whole life. Like you never know where anything's going to tie back into your life again. So it's it's pretty cool to like hear those connections and hear names that you've known for years, right? Like it's, it's amazing. 
That's awesome. No, I absolutely like you're preaching to the choir right now. So um, my <laughs> question to you is like you get kitted out, you're you're seven or eight years old, you're kind of learning. Um, like what were your like, were you like timid right off the hop? Or are you like in there like a dirty shirt? Um, like uh, what was sort of, sort of your earliest days? What are your earliest rem- memories of uh, of racing on two wheels and, and falling in love with it? Oh, man. Well, my first experience would have been getting on a Honda 50 and thinking pulling the throttle back means you'd go slower. So, yeah, just full whipped into a fence. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah, under a semi-trailer because, I don't know, my dad thought it was a great idea to practice in the parking lot. So, from there, he's like, nope. And we went to a field and then off-road. And, yeah, no, I was probably, like, such a pain bringing to the track because all I wanted was snacks and when was lunch and really like riding to me wasn't a big deal like I kind of was just always along for the ride just like hanging out uh my older brother rode as well with me so he was kind of the one that took it a bit more serious but we grew up yeah mini bikes then we started getting on like kind of more like race bikes like uh YZ85s and then we'd do the mini motos in Calgary it was like a little like mini track we have and every Tuesday we would race but like good old Dino was there Dean Wilson so yeah we grew up with him and he was as quick as you could possibly imagine back then, probably would lap me three times in a five lap race. So yeah, it was pretty, pretty cool experience to grow up with uh, some fast names and have those people around you while you're kind of coming through the local scene. No, I, I remember Dean coming over and racing uh, a Manitoba arena cross. I want to say it would have been 2003 or four when he was still on 85s. And I had just gotten onto uh, 125s and I was about four seconds a lap slower than he was, which is on an arena cross track, quite quite the difference. Uh, he had about yeah. a straight away on me every single lap. So uh, that was significant. And yeah, growing up and seeing kids like that growing, uh, like just going so fast. And obviously you remember almost like, like the heyday. Like we, we sort of grew up in and like watching the sport of motocross in Canada. So spoiled in the fact that we had races on Sportsnet with like Derek Fisher and Darcy Lange and like the like JSR and like the whole Blackfoot team almost at this the absolute peak of its popularity powers and everything like that with with uh, Canadian moto it was so easy to sink our teeth into it because there was just so much content and, and so just it seemed like there was so many huge characters within the sport like you had um Galdi and even like the the announcers themselves were like almost an addition to it you know what I mean so uh we were really spoiled in that respect and uh I I I honestly blame that more than anything for uh the way we uh kind of like were drawn to it the way we did oh for sure yeah and that was kind of like during the big boom of the economy so everyone had money everyone was buying bikes like it was like yeah it was a crazy time that would have been yeah like 2004 2006 would have been like a huge time in Canadian moto <laughs> for sure and you know what I'm just like I'm just going through uh, I'm on my laptop right now kind of like going through your Instagram and if you're not already following uh Danica like it's uh d-d-a-a-n-n-i-i-k-k-a-a just to make it really simple for people uh <laughs> and that's awesome but you got a picture a few few posts ago maybe it could be a, maybe over a year ago yourself head to toe fox except for the the same oh my god the same answer boots that i wore as a kid oh, i need to dig yeah. those out yeah that's the first kit yep and your your mom is wearing my first jersey the exact same jersey i used to wear that is i assume that's your yeah. mom the good old cotton the yeah. cotton jerseys it's like the, yeah, the most unbreathable my first yeah, you gotta find yeah. that jersey. You gotta wear that thing. Oh yeah, I've got it. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. And like, so like growing up within the sport, like, w- like obviously you probably did some off-roading uh, and like just kind of riding on trails, similar to what I did uh, before eventually coming to a track. Like, did you do any off-road events before you started racing dirt bike, like racing moto, or was it like kind of just become proficient on two wheels and then once it's time, go to the motocross track and uh, test your metal against the the boys and everybody else? For sure. That's kind of what happened. Like we were going off road and then we didn't even really know about the track that was right in in the middle of the town. And it just ended up being like more of a 
like an easy thing for us to get to like after school and on the weekends. So we just ended up spending most of our time there and fell in love with it. And my dad raced and kept riding and my mom rode and raced with us for like the whole time. So yeah, we just kind of really fell in love with moto and the community there. So that's kind of where we spent most of our time. I haven't raced any off road, but actually planning on hopefully eventually like this season or next, just trying to race. Cause I've got lots of friends that race the off road series in Alberta. So I, I always try and guilt them to the track. So it, it's got to go both ways. Right. Absolutely. It does. And this is something, this is actually a common theme that I've talked about on the pod uh, over the last few few weeks and, and, and months is that like when we were growing up, uh, off-road wasn't cool. Like aside from having like Guy Parrott, uh, who was in the the trans like the the terra firmas back in the day. Of course, Canadian a, a, a Canuck among of all like legends. He's just like an absolute wild man on two wheels, featured in almost every terra firma movie out there. But like it was never it like wasn't stylish and it wasn't like kind of a cool thing to do was to go race off road. And now I feel like like a certain brands and Fox is included in that have completely flipped the script on like on the the style of going off-roading the function of going off-roading like it literally used to just be some like kind of loose fitting pants with a pocket in it and a and a ill-fitting jacket and all of a sudden you're going off-roading whereas now you basically have like full functioning moto like moto gear with some extra pockets and some like some four-way stretch and all this fun stuff uh to go out into the woods and kill it like it's completely changed from what it was even 10 years ago Oh, for sure. Yeah. And you're seeing lots of like, like off-road riders being amazing at moto as well, too, because they have those skills that just cross right over. So it's been like, it's been great seeing both those cross and riding both and people coming over from the off-road. Like that's like Lexi Pichot, like when she came over and raced the women's nationals, like she's never even raced MX before and she just showed up and killed it and was like oh, okay let's try this again right so it's pretty cool to see people cross over like that no kidding yeah Lexi Pichot uh friend of the podcast had her on back in I believe 2017 December somewhere around then might have to catch up with her again sometime um but so for you racing growing up obviously I, I assume you probably started uh racing in probably the 65 class uh, and then moving up from there, what was that landscape like for you? And obviously, like, probably racing some ladies' classes as well as mixing it up with the boys. Yeah, so kind of, I just did, like, more of the local stuff and then started doing provincials when I was on, like, an 85 and just raced, like, ladies' B and then moved my way up to, like, ladies' A within the provincials. But again, like, I thought I was taking it serious, but really just looking back, it was just hanging out and showing up for the races. And then kind of got on a 125 and one to try one of the nationals so that would have been closer to like 2011 would be like the first national that I ended up trying and it just like opened my eyes to like how fast these girls actually were and how many showed up for it so I was like ah we gotta we gotta do this full series next year so it would have been 2012 when I did my first or not not my first full series but that was when I was planning to do my first full series and then it actually broke both my legs the weekend before round one uh just at calgary riding so that's how 2012 went for me (laughs) wow both broken legs take us through this uh this wild get off and obviously uh some serious recovery that needed to happen thereafter yeah super wild so 2012 uh, i was planning to race the national circuit just out of high school kind of like not knowing what i wanted to do with my career so it's like the typical fresh out of school kid and uh yeah i over jumped the finish line which was a jump i've done many times before but it's one of those stupid not thinking and uh yeah when i landed my like my heel bone like jackhammered my tib fib so my left one was in a hundred plus pieces. My right one was in 50. So they just kind of like mashed them back together with surgery. I had like 36 screws, like five plates. And yeah, it was, it was, it was the most humbling experience I've ever went through. Cause yeah, I had to be in a wheelchair for like two months and then onto there into a walker and then crutches and then all that good stuff was told to never run again type thing. But it was, 
so eye-opening because that day of my crash, like I was there with my dad. I didn't even crash. Like I, I rode out, rode to the truck and was like, oh shit, this isn't good, right? And um, yeah, when I was in the hospital with my dad, we were just hanging out and all I wanted to do, like all I could think of is just like wanting to get back out and ride and be around those people. So that really like, it, it changed my life. Like right after that, I uh, reached out to JC who just would have been opening up Psychworks Foothills and checked to see if he had a job and started there as a reception. And yeah, like I, I wouldn't have changed like going through that for anything because it really put me on the path of how much I love moto and how I wanted to be involved in this community. So yeah, right after that, I would have started at Psychworks and then I met my boyfriend now, Charlie, who we've been together for like nine years. So everything kind of just fell into place after that. That's awesome. Then like, that's, that's basically everything just coming together and, and, and you've been off to the races ever since. Um, racing the, like, did you race ever race the, the entire series? Like, was it ever coast to coast or just the West coast? And, uh, and what were some of your career highlights, uh, racing in the, in the women's series? And, uh, the women's series to me has always been something that, um, the, the, the level of support in it is almost that moving target. Like some years it's doing awesome. Other years, it seems hard, hard to, uh, find the support for it. Um, but, it, it seems certain times there there is a, a quite a bit of interest and quite a bit of support uh, with some of the organization that comes behind it. For sure, yeah. Like, I, I really looked up to when I first started, like, Denise Giroux and Camille Bunko now. They were, like, single-handedly fundraising the series and trying to make it happen. So that was amazing. And just seeing all the ladies come together, like, that was just so eye-opening. And I think now that's really laid the brickwork of everyone. Like, it's not like, we're not there to make money. Like at the end of the day, it, it's a vacation for us and we're there to have fun. So like, you better have a good time while you're there. Right. So yeah, <laughs> they really just laid the bricks for, for a pretty cool series as it is now. Like I haven't raced it with COVID. We didn't do like a West coast. So no, I've never went West to East. I've only stayed in the West, but hopefully like be able to make out like a trip out to Walton or something and check out that East coast. No kidding. I don't know if anyone like prepped you for this interview, but you realize that I am a bricklayer, right? <laughs> That's, oh, like actually in like your real job. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. No, I didn't know. <laughs> That's pretty funny. There you I... go. And you do that in the podcast too, just laying bricks. <laughs> That's hilarious. And 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 speaking of uh yeah, laying that foundation, laying the bricks is that uh um uh Danae Giroux, uh who um what was her, her maiden name? Oh, sorry. She oh, yeah, he, she was Giroux. Right, she's she Arnett now. Yeah, Arnett? Janae Arnett. No, yeah, but uh, she was actually on like episode six or seven of this podcast. Uh, oh when, no way! Yeah, yeah. When I back when I, I remember editing her podcast while I was uh, I was actually working at a local radio station at the time, and uh, yeah, she was back in 2014. So uh, that I think that, that might be time to to catch up with her. She since literally she's had a name change since I had her on last. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I totally forgot about the old name change. But yeah, no, they definitely, yeah, they, they changed the whole series. And that's actually how we came up with like Surf and Berms is because we were trying to raise funds for the Nationals. I think it would have been like 2016 right. is like how that came about is we started doing like lessons through PsychWorks Foothills and then putting 100% of the profits to the National Series. And then we did a ride day at my friend's house, which was their last name's Palin. So it was like Palin training facility and we called the ride surf and berm. And that's how that came about is we were just trying to fill the void for prizing and payout for that. And then all the funds went back to the national series. That's awesome. And, and like, so um, how did you come to a name like that? And, and, and like, just talk about a little bit about like sort of um, like how rewarding it is to be able to give back to a community that's been able, you've been able to get so many great memories out of and, and you've, you've found your career in, like, uh, I assume you probably like in a way probably met Chuck that way. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Like we've been like talking about this a lot lately because, uh, Lexi Pichot and I have been getting together, uh, just like doing videos and trying to, keep working on surf and berms to be able to give back to that community and 
we've been discussing so much about like what what is winning to you and we just keep coming back on it like it doesn't matter how we did in any race or event when you look back all that winning was driving to the races camping meeting these people making the connections like just riding a dirt bike has gotten me to where I am in my career and like it's it's amazing that an industry like this that that that's winning to us is we're able to surround ourselves with the sport that we love and the people that we want to spend weekends with right so yeah I would say that that that's been a huge win in my life for sure I honestly say like if any if I can ever give back to a a young rider uh, an experience that will let them fall in love with motocross the same way I did um that that to me like I I can I can rest easy knowing that that I was able to um like just affect someone in that way and I think of how many great memories I've had with the sport and and I've said it time and time again people probably uh, get tired of me saying it is that motocross is a beautiful sport in the fact that no one ever tells you no you can't do it anymore uh regardless of age regardless of ability if you've got a bike you've got the proper riding gear and the and the cash to sign yourself up the gate drops for absolutely everybody. Uh, and I used to always joke that since uh, I was a little bit slower than most guys, I'd get more time on the track. So actually, I win more than anybody, um, <laughs> dis despite the lack of trophies on my wall. Um, but that's really what it's all about is, is that throttle therapy and giving the people and giving people the opportunity to enjoy the sport and, and fall in love with it. It's awesome that you've been able to be a part of that, especially in such a uh, like a like vibrant um province like alberta where they have like just like i feel like they have a great turnout i feel like there's a lot of love for that sport there and you're right in the thick of things for sure yeah calgary's got like a really cool community in and around it like the the moto community itself is very tight-knit the shops all know each other like it's a it's a very rewarding and welcoming community for sure and like that's kind of what we started doing now with like the surf and berms rides we do at Wild Rose is just you just pay your gate fee we take the third track that's not being used for the day and a bunch of girls that are like regulars at the track they just volunteer and help and we're just there to welcome new riders out there and get them on bikes get them comfortable and hopefully they'll want to come back again and meet some friends that they'll go out for rides with. I love it absolutely now so how did you get how did you get connected with the job that you have now? Like, obviously, uh, JC, uh, at some point, he probably he fitted you up for, for gear uh, almost 25 years ago, uh, or tw at least 20 years ago, and then you, like, you didn't just hand, uh, hand the job over sight on scene. How did that come about? And, and then, obviously, growing uh, with COVID, uh, you sort of absorbing uh, the Saskatchewan side of things as well. Um, uh, and I, I do like that you've chosen to, to attack that via Zoom call rather than uh, going through the, the banjo plucking area that is Saskatchewan. Um, tell me a little bit about getting into that. For sure. So in <laughs> 2012, I would have started at PsychWorks Foothills. And right. that's when I just started, like, kind of worked my way up from the bottom and through the ranks and kind of was able to see everything in and out of a dealership, how, how it's run. And I was there until like, I was there for about seven and a half, eight years. And it was pretty rad because at, at closer to my end at PsychWorks, I was like the, like parts and accessories manager. So I overlooked um, parts department and soft goods. And that's how I started getting connections with Fox as we were a pre-line dealer. It's kind of, you go and see the line before it's released. And okay. I, I got to go twice to HQ as a dealer with Cycleworks. And it was amazing. No it was deal. so eye-opening going there and seeing HQ in California and meeting designers and going through the products. You're seeing all these like iconic images from growing up and you're just surrounded by all these people that are just so stoked. And I remember coming home for my first trip and I was just like, this is where I want to be. Like, I, I need to be involved with this, like somehow surround myself and immerse myself with these people that are as stoked as I am on gear of all things. Like I'm always one of those, like, you got to look good to feel good. Like every yes. kid, like, it, yeah. Right. Look pro, like, go slow, bro. People out. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of like, that totally changed my outlook. And then I was able to go a second time. And then that's when I met, 
Patrick Chambers from Blackfoot, and I never met him before, so I met him at Fox HQ in California. We all stayed, like, as dealers, so we all went to Fox together, and then that kind of planted the seed for my next move to Blackfoot, and then I helped them recreate their, like, racing sponsorship program, like, brought, like, a grassroots back to Blackfoot with the BFR Moto crew. That's kind of how I then segued onto the Blackfoot family and then from there I was with Blackfoot for about two years doing that and uh, then this job opened up with Fox for Alberta who was John Burton before that so I was yeah I was honored to be able to fill his shoes with this position. No kidding just an absolute motocross Swiss army knife you're just taking on all kinds of roles. Uh, whatever it is, I'll do it. I'll, I'll do it better than the guy that came before me. That is way too cool. Um, like Lessons learned along the way. Obviously, uh, you don't just take on brand new positions and you're immediately just uh, like that, that next level employee. So what are some of the things and like some of the great habits that you've developed? Uh, and, and also just learning how to communicate with different people through your jobs uh, that you've had that have uh, created the success that you currently have with Fox Now. For sure. I think the biggest one was dealing with customers and racers. Like that's in itself, that's your like core of the industry, like being connected on the ground floor with these people who are driving to the races, fueling their bikes, they're coming to the shop. Like that was the biggest, the biggest eye opener and like something that I could never pay for having an education like that is meeting all these people and seeing how this sport is fueled by these racers and riders and they're so passionate about it. So that was probably like my biggest takeaway from being in the dealership and, and now I still see them all the time because they're at the track and stuff. So that was definitely the most amazing part of it. And just, yeah, grunting through, like figuring it out as we go. Uh, JC was the owner at PsychWorks Foothills and gave me so many opportunities to be able to learn and excel there. So I, I, I was never held back at all. Like each time there was an opportunity, I was given it. And the team that I worked with at PsychWorks are like my family like it was the memories I have there are better than anything I could ever have right so I I would never change my path of getting to where I am now that's awesome so get like that that's so encouraging to hear getting into working with Fox obviously they're an aspiring brand uh I, I often liken them to like sort of the Mercedes-Benz or the BMW, they're they're that brand that you want to be able to 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 fit into and, and and like align yourself with. And it's amazing that you've been able to like kind of carve out your uh, a spot for yourself there. Um, talked about like obviously like I, I'm looking at some pictures on on your social media of you wearing that product long before even probably ha thinking about having a job. Period. The, even thinking about racing a dirt bike. For sure. um, but then sort being able to. Uh, work for that brand that you you loved and you we talked earlier on the phone about like your uh like like getting several sets of gear is like you guys are always about the kit so you gotta like every time new stuff came out you had to be looking fresh and, and then eventually to be able to contribute to that and and, and work within that that's really cool yeah like it, it's definitely surreal like looking at it from outside like I would never guess to where I am now and I've always been like it, that first time I went to like Fox HQ in California, it was just like that feeling that you got going there and being surrounded by it. Like, Oh man, like just that in itself. And then now to be in it and being that person behind the scenes with it is just so crazy. And especially like, I've always been a design driven, like kid. like I've always wanted that, that look and things to look a certain way and it's not like you need that to ride a dirt bike like yes you yeah, do show up in yeah exactly like show up in mismatch gear show up in your like shitty used stuff like that's so rad but like myself like it's just always been something that just like fires me up like not like the riding side is one thing but the design aspect that comes with moto and it's just cool that you can connect stories with that like when i worked at blackfoot uh I, a rider came in that I haven't seen in probably 15, 20 years almost. And I was just like, it was Joel Gowing and he used to race. Um, like he was like pro, he was one of the pro riders. 
And I was like, you had that fox gear with like the zebra and the fox heads down the side. And he was like, that was me. I was like at Raymond. And we are just like, you can connect over a set of gear like 20 years down the road. And that's just something that speaks true to myself. And now to be working with a company that that is their core and remembering these kits and remembering the memories like that is, yeah, it's, it's amazing. Once again, preaching to the choir. In fact, uh, the great Doug DeHaan uh, used to do your job here in Manitoba. He he came to a lot of the local races, and uh, yes, I think legend. I absolutely. He, in fact, he won the very first race that I I, I went to back in '99. He he showed up uh, and went. Uh, I think he went two one for first overall in the 250 class ahead of guys like Blair Morgan, Darcy Lange, and the rest of the boys. Um, but I came up to him in a local race, and I was telling him about how like. Like when I first watched him race and like with Richmond Gowan Kawasaki and how Blair Morgan, he's wearing an orange Fox helmet and it just kind of stuck out to me that it was all orange. And he's looking at me like I had three heads because he's like, he was wearing an hel orange helmet. How do you remember that <laughs> from when you were like five? And the, you know what? With motocross gear and some really, really great stuff, like it just, that sort of stuff sticks with you. And like some of the, like the great stuff that Stuart wore and, and that uh, Ricky Carmichael wore really early in our, our era uh, watching the sport, that, that really sort of cemented the, uh, the love for it, especially like you, you were mentioning that on the phone where uh, you were able to go to Washougal, your first outdoor national, uh, watching Ricky go perfect uh, for the year. And then I'm sure James got both motos as well. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, that would have been our first AMA race. And yeah, all we wanted was Ricky's autograph. And I was so young that like, I didn't know anything else. And then Ricky was gone for the day and I got just some kid, James Stewart signature. And man, I, I'm so stoked that that's the signature I got on my pit shirt. So I still have that somewhere. So I have to dig it up. But yeah, it's crazy that just the design of a study gear can bring back memories and connect people like that right like when these designers are creating the stuff that obviously a lot of hard work goes into it but just to think that their design lives on for that long is just so impactful right for sure I, I think a lot of times and I've talked to some designers I don't think they fully understand how um just just how valuable or, or just how cherished some of that those memories can be especially when you're so young and like learning in the sport and uh I feel like some of those uh, memories are just burnt into your brain uh, in such a special way um like growing up like what was the what was a piece of uh, of fox apparel that you just absolutely had to have uh probably your first pair of fox boots compared considering you you were running an answer boot for the first little while oh shit well i i have i have always had these like super small feet well not that small but i i'm in a youth size four boot because i would be like a women's five and a half so really no, I don't, I don't get to wear any fancy boots, but the kit that I always loved as a kid would be like, oh, five, James Stewart. He was in this like John Deere color and green and yellow. And yeah. Super he won white. that race. Oh. He, he won, yes. he won the Dallas Supercross in, in that gear. Yeah. So that was one of the kits that I had to order in. So we special ordered it, waited it forever. Right. Like, it's just like. You yeah, do have little feet. Oh like my goodness! Kids' gears that I, I loved. <laughs> I'm looking at like I'm always I'm on your Instagram right now, and I can't believe yeah. how how low the boots come up your calf. <laughs> yeah, oh the old hoops. Like I I get grilled all the time because everyone's like, I'm gonna tell tell Fox you're in Alpine Stars. I'm like, oh yeah, I got tiny feet, but you know it's cool. Like I, I've been hey, whatever fits. With, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you kind of got to go with how it is. But it's rad, like, talk to the designers and Fox and every gear company is always just pushing the limits and making things better. Like, man, gear has come so far just in the past five years, let alone 10 years. Like, I, I can't wait to see where it's going to go in the next five years, right? So, beggars can't be choosers. Like, it's it's already come so far to where it's at, so... Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Now, let's talk a little bit more about the, the Fox boots. Obviously, the Fox Instinct has been one of the gold standards ever since uh, right around 2012 uh, when it got debuted. And, and obviously, I believe Chad Reed came, basically brought that boot uh, into the limelight, really getting a lot of notoriety by then. Of course, uh, James Stewart was also already riding uh, either in uh, at the time he was in the... Uh, Nike boots, and then he was wearing uh, Garnet to finish off his career. Um, but so much technology goes into that boot. Uh, like as far as like your like your opinion on like 
the way boots are constructed, the safety features uh, that are involved, as well as the closure systems. Um, what would you say? Obviously, fitment is the absolute number one. If you don't fit the Fox, you can't wear the Fox. Is that is my, honestly, in my opinion, like the same thing with a hockey skate. You you wear the 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 boot that fits your foot first and foremost. But when it comes to features and, and, and how the, the Fox boot um, protects, I don't think that there's a, a boot out there that really does all of the things that uh, that the Instinct does. And uh, it does so at a pretty decent price point as well. For sure. Yeah, you're totally right. Like with any kind of moto gear, especially boots or helmet, like it's got to fit right off the bat. So yeah, definitely go to your local dealer and try on gear, try it on with your knee braces, knee pads, make sure it fits as a one fluid system and that it's going to be comfortable. Obviously not comfortable to the point that you want it slopping around, but I, I like my boots super tight, so I definitely don't want any movement in my boot. But yeah, with the Instinct, it is top level and it's constantly, constantly being like tech, technology is always changing on the boot and it's super rad because the first time that I was down in California as a dealer I got to speak with uh the instinct designer boot designer and he was so awesome this guy was so cool he was going through all the boots with me and explaining all the features with it and there they came a bit further since then but yeah the hinge system on it it's got like a true hinge system on the ankle so you're not going to get any side bend like when you'd be in the entry level style boot, that's kind of where your like a lot of ankle injuries and stuff happens. So you got your full hinge system. It's got a low ride chassis. So when you sit into the boot with your foot, you're really close to the foot peg. So you got really good bike feel. And on the inside of the boot where your like ankles and legs would be pinching on the bike, it's flat. So you have a full contact with the bike. So you can really feel that bike under you. And a really cool thing, yeah, you said they're they're priced well, like Canadian five fifty nine for the MX one, and when you get them from your dealer, there's a five year sole warranty on the sole itself, so you don't even have to worry about if you blow through a sole. Right when you see that red indicator, you can bring it to your dealer, and they'll submit it for warranty and get it resold for you. That's awesome. I, you know what? I did not know that. And maybe there's a few people listening who didn't know that themselves. They just ran into their garage. They turned their boots upside down. They saw that red indicator and they're going to their nearest dealer. That's really cool. And actually, uh, a, a great way for, uh, for Fox to sort of be rewarding some people who are putting some serious time on their boots. Because uh, if you're wearing through a pair of boots, it probably means you're getting a fair bit of uh, throttle therapy and out there surfing, surfing some berms. For sure, yeah. And, like, some bikes have, like, that weird foot peg, how they're kind of angled. Like, I know KTM and Huskies like to chew through boots a little bit faster than others yes. just because your foot's kind of constantly given that turn on the peg. So, yeah, it's definitely a nice a nice afterthought. Like, you can just, like, buy the soles and get them resold as well, too. So, if, if it has went too far over your warranty or can't find your receipt, yeah, that's, that's a pretty cool aspect of the Instinct boot. For sure. Now... I love the apps. I love those boots. Uh, what about the other, like the the other lines of, of boots uh, that uh, that Fox has? Um, like, where does the like sort of the technology sort of? I wouldn't say take a dip, or like obviously as you go down in price point, uh, certain things are sacrificed. What are some of the things that their lower end boots do really well? For sure. So right now we actually just have the two solid boots. So the comp boot would be your entry level boot, and then your Instinct would be your premier boot. So it's very like your comp has inspiration from the instinct, but like at more of an obtainable price point for that consumer. So yeah, like your guy that's just getting into riding, it's a awesome boot. It's very like, it would be more of a soft boot. So I, I usually say it's, it's a good learning boot, but right when you want some more protection, I recommend going into a higher end boot from there. So you see a lot of people start in it and they do their first year or two in that guy and then they start riding a little bit more and have some hours on the boot and they usually that hinge system is something that you really just want to find because especially after you're you're done growing and you're an adult like you know that boot's going to last you for a long time so you can put some good hours on it. Well there you go and honestly there's there's two things that I would never suggest somebody uh, skimp out on when it comes to uh, like fit outfitting themselves and that's 
the the boots and the helmet. I could care less what you're wearing uh, between those two things, but a great set of boots that's going to give you a great connection with the motorcycle. That's maybe the most intimate connection you have with the bike is the way you're going to control it is with your boots, with you, the inside of your uh, your your. Uh, the inside of your legs, uh, and then obviously a helmet, of which uh, Fox has some great answers that way. Now you're all about the kit. I notice you sometimes you're in the in the shift stuff. Sometimes you're head to toe in Fox. Uh, how do you manage the two brands kind of bouncing back and forth? And are there like obviously you got to wear the cool the cool new stuff all the time? But is there ever a time when you see some of like the the stuff from yesteryear that you almost want to pull some of that stuff out from the archives? Because even through your time racing uh, like Canadian nationals, you had some great kits back in the day, especially a pair of I think it'd be like the all the all white stuff or the white and gray stuff. Those are good looks. Oh yeah, so rad. Yeah, I would say like my my favorite kits that really just like changed my my outlook on shift is when they came out with the blue label kits and that was just like when it came out and it was almost like a level above flex air and and um shaddy at the time worked with uh he was at fox canada and he just knew i was gonna go wild for this kit so he kind of showed me and let me know it was coming and i was just like all in like just totally invested so yeah that's kind of when i started running shift and their blue label kits are they're like top of the line it's like man like once you once you wear it you're never gonna go back to anything else it's just like the flex there like when you're in that very mobile technically advanced gear and it feels like you're just like next to nothing and that's what I say like when you're riding you don't want anything that you're gonna think of while you're on the bike right so you want to be comfortable whether that's if you want to wear more protection or less protection or gear that you can hardly feel or that keeps you cool or warm so yeah that's that's why i like the shift blue label or the fox flex there but at the end of the day it all comes down to how it looks so yeah man i'll run i'll run whatever kit for whatever look it's given me you know <laughs> absolutely and you know what uh and we've even seen ken, ken roxon and ac running it of course they probably have some more custom stuff going on but they use the same pattern uh, the 180 stuff that they've been wearing lately uh, and what AC was wearing late in the Supercross or like before he got hurt in Supercross and same thing uh, that uh, that Kenny was racing with is the uh, that that's 180 gear. At least the graphic is. I don't know what they're wearing personally because obviously Fox uh, has the ability to sort of put the graphic that they wish on basically any type of uh, any type of jersey. But um, there's some like stylish pieces regardless of, of what part of the line you're looking at. Oh god, yeah, yeah. I'd say like that Venom kit, like that Heritage Throwback kit. It came out in the 180, and that's yeah, that's one of my faves. Like just because it's such a rad graphic. So yeah, you definitely see that. Like you don't need to go to the really premier gear to get a sweet graphic. Like it definitely lives in all the franchises, and just depends how you feel and what type of gear you you want to run that day, right? And the 180 works awesome, especially if you don't have like knee braces because it's a single layer leather knee, but it's great. You still get the connection point to the bike and you're not chewing it through if you're just wearing like a, like a knee pad or a knee cup. What's your thoughts on that? There's been a lot of uh, kind of talk online with uh, mainly from Ryan Hughes of uh, like take away the the neck brace, don't do the knee braces, like kind of like like unlimiting the body. Uh, I per, I prefer not to wear a neck brace. I've worn one in the past. I'm just not comfortable with it. I love my knee braces. I've had a knee injury in the past, uh, and I just feel like I have better leverage to pinch the bike. Where's your stance on all that? For sure. So like I've sold gear for quite a few years and dealt with like a lot of customers and a lot of things and, and they're like family, right? So I, I don't want them getting hurt, nor would I try and push them into something. So my biggest standpoint is you as a rider, if you're ever going to blame wearing the gear or blame not wearing that piece, then you better be in it or not in it. So for instance, the, the neck brace, like I don't wear it because it like restricting and I can't look up or down a hill properly when I wear it just like how my neck helmet everything fits together but I if I knock on wood ever did have like an incident like that I would never go back to myself and say well if I would have had a neck brace on like I would have been fine right like you kind of kind of take it as is and people that want to wear the neck brace or knee braces if if that's going to make you feel confident on your bike then 100% or 
or vice versa, like don't have it on because if you're thinking about that and that split second while you're going off a jump or into a corner and you're not fully prepared for that, then, then yeah, you like just wear with what you're comfortable with. Try it. If it works, awesome. If it doesn't work, then try something else that's going to, that's going to protect you to that point. I totally agree. Like to a point, uh, obviously you got to wear all the protective gear, uh, that's mandatory helmet, goggles, boots, uh, gloves, Jersey pants. Um, but from like, for me, what, whatever you're comfortable wearing, like if, if you don't, if you feel like your, your safety is compromised by wearing a, a neck brace or you don't feel like you have the ability to look up, up, like up, up the track or something like that, that's putting yourself in a dangerous, dangerous position. Uh, and, and same thing with, uh, with knee brace. If you have a history of knee injuries and you haven't gotten some, something fixed, you might need to have that. Uh, I'm not here to tell anybody what to wear. I'm just saying for me, uh, I was never comfortable wearing, uh, the, the neck brace. Um, it, like it would always sort of like bump up against my helmet when I try and look up the track or even going, coming, kind of coming out of a turn, you're always sort of like looking up the track. And I've always felt impeded. And uh, obviously, there's going to be people who listen that are like, I don't feel that. And everybody's different. Everyone's got a different helmet. Everyone's got different shoulders uh, that come come up and stuff like that. Like, I have pretty big, like, truck trap muscles that, like, kind of make everything sort of, like, a little bit higher when, uh, up against my helmet. So it's not my favorite thing. But um, For sure. That's a cool take on that. Um, my last question for you, Danica, if that is your real name. Um, <laughs> yes. Is uh, is the if you were uh, standing in front of uh, a bunch of young riders, male, female, uh, but also especially uh, the uh, female racers out there that may be listening, what sort of advice would you have for them uh, to not only be successful within the sport of motocross, but also to enjoy it to the fullest? For sure, yeah. Like at the end of the day, it's for fun. Like you're gonna look back and you're gonna see these amazing times that you had with your family that you you couldn't do with any other sport and you're going camping on the weekends or seeing your best friends. So I would just say, take each day and don't like, don't waste it. Like, don't be concerned if you didn't get that first place. Like, yes, definitely work hard, try hard practice, but these are your little vacations you get to have with your family and friends. And there'll be memories that you'll hold on to forever. So yeah, just keep, keep on riding, you know, like it's just, it's a great time and even if you fall away from it for a bit at least you'll always have that skill that you can jump on a motorcycle whether it be a street bike dirt bike off-road and just have that freedom and clear your head and go go find that adventure you want to be on spoken like a true champion i love it that is extremely well said and uh yeah just just enjoy the sport for what it is live in the moment and uh you'll be successful if you're you're able to uh, accomplish that danica white here on the Big MX Radio podcast, episode 821. Coming up uh, later on in the week, we're hoping to have Chad Watts. He was the mechanic for um, Ricky Carmichael for so many uh, so many years there uh, in earliest portion of his career. Danica, this was a lot of fun. I appreciate the time, and we're going to have to do this again sometime. This is so great. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you real soon. Absolute. Do not hang up just yet, but for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there.